0: You have your Bibles turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to pick up a couple of verses and, and, uh, and one verse in chapter 4 but we're going to begin our study today in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we went through those first three chapters that talk about um, who we are in Christ because of what Christ has done for us and um, what that means for us not only individually um, as being um, his children but also <coughs> corporately what it means for us as far as being his family Um, there are no Jews or Greeks or or Gentiles or black or white or male or female or rich or poor Um, All of those that are part of the family of God are one in the Lord Jesus Christ Um, All of those first three chapters are really just doctrinal stuff that talk to us about who we are because of what Christ has done and the practical application of all those things begins in chapter 4 and concludes through the end of the book and um, he started chapter 4, Paul started chapter 4 um, by, in verse 1 by telling us that we ought to walk worthy of the calling that he has called us to. As his children and as his family, that, that we ought to walk worthy of that vocation, of that calling that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to live our lives uh, in such a way that we honor and magnify the name of Jesus because of what he has done for us and because who we are now uh, in him. And we, we've, we've, we've worked our way through, and I didn't really notice this at the beginning, but I've noticed that the more that I've studied how many times Paul uses the word walk in this. He constantly tells us to walk in a certain way, which means we conduct our lives in a certain way. So we talk first about, in, in the first few verses of chapter 4, about walking in unity. And that just kind of carries over from chapter three when he is he's drawing a, a line and saying, "Listen, you Jews and Gentile believers, you got to learn to get along." It, this is a big deal, I know, but it doesn't matter. Your heritage is Jew, or if your heritage is Gentile, you're one in Christ. And so he kind of begins chapter four with that whole walk in unity. Walk in unity, because when you walk in unity uh, as the body of Christ, you honor the Lord Jesus Christ. You build up the kingdom. Of Christ and you are a witness to the world his Jesus last prayer John 17:21, father I want them to be one in us as you as I'm one in you you're one in me that they be one in us that the whole world will know that you sent me so that unity is a testimony um, of who the Lord Jesus Christ is um, in chapter 4 verses 7 through 16 that we walk with purpose and I use the illustration of God's building a building uh, he's building a temple according to the Bible Um, That's going to endure forever and that temple and that building is that kingdom and that family um, The body of Christ and God is using um, As the materials of that building the gift that he has given to each of us We all got different gifts different measure of different gifts But we've all been given a gift to be used in the building of his kingdom whether in leadership or in laboring so that both our level of maturity and our ministry Uh, That our maturity might grow and that our ministry might expand. And there's some hard stuff to understand in those verses. um, But I think that simple illustration helped me understand it more clearly than I ever have before. Is that God is building a kingdom that will endure forever. And he's invited us to be part of that building process through the gifts um, that that he's given to us. And as we labor together for his cause, we grow in maturity and we grow uh, in ministry. Last week I talked about walking in holiness. Um, verses 17 through 32, that we uh, put off the old man um, and that we put on the new nature um, that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us. And that's something that we're going to do for the rest of our lives uh, in order to distinguish ourselves from the rest of the world. We're going to put off those things that do not honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to put on those things um, that do. And and the last verse that we read in chapter 4 is kind of where I want to jump into chapter 5 at because he said, That we're to be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now that's a powerful passage of scripture. He said that you've got to do this for each other, as hard as it might be. You've got to put away all that bitterness and wrath and anger and evil speaking and gossip. You've got to put away all of that maliciousness that's in your heart and instead do this, because this is what? God has done for you in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That that because of because God did this for us and forgave us of all of our sins and and is kind toward us and forgiving to us, then we do this for Christ's sake. And then in in chapter five, he tells us exactly what that looks like in verses one and two. He said, "Be therefore followers of God, as dear as dear children." And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So so the last, this next thing that he tells us, not the last because there's several more walks that he wants us to to partake in, is that if we're going to walk worthy, we've got to walk in unity, we've got to walk with purpose, we've got to walk in holiness, and we have to walk in love. That's what he said in verse 2, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. In other words, when, we are, when we're followers of God as we ought to be, when we're imitators of God as we ought to be, then, then we imitate that love that God has shown to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in our dealings with one another, that we walk in love to one another god gave himself for us the bible said it was an offering and a sacrifice which was a sweet smelling savor in the nostrils of god and and his calling on our lives is that we live in love with one another and i will say especially within his church in fact you'll see this often when he's talking to brothers in the in, in especially in john's gospel and in john's letters that there is a special command for christians To love each other within the context of the body of Christ. um, Just like Christ has loved us. His calling on our lives is to love one another. Now I want you to back up into Ephesians chapter 3 for just a few minutes. At the end of chapter 3, which is the end of the doctrinal portion of the letter, Paul prayed a prayer for the church at Ephesus. Some things that he wanted. I'm not going to read the whole prayer again. But I do want to pick it up in verse 17. And part of his prayer is this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ. Listen listen carefully to verse 19. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, being filled with the fullness of God comes from comprehending as best we can His love for us. Now, that's a comprehension that we won't never fully grasp. We won't never fully wrap our minds around the love that God has for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, as far as our comprehension is concerned. But the more that we can comprehend it, the more that we do comprehend it, the more we grow in our understanding and application of it, the more we grow into the likeness, into the fullness of the likeness of Christ. We, it, it, it's connected together. Being filled with the fullness of God is directly related to how much we comprehend the love that Christ has for us. As we grow in gratitude for that love, um, we'll grow in our ability to reciprocate that love to him and to one another um, as we wrap our minds around how much he loves us. We learn to love him more and love each other more. So, and I've seen this happen. If we're, if we're as Christians, if we're getting more mean-spirited as we get older, we're heading in the wrong direction. If we get more mean-spirited, it is a sign that we are not growing in our comprehension of Christ's love for us. In fact, I think what Peter said in he is that we're forgetting what he has done for us. We're forgetting who we were and we're, we're forgetting where we're headed because of what he's done for us. We're blind and can't see far off. We can't see the past of who we were, and we can't see the future of who He's going to make us. And so we've got to understand and comprehend the love that God has for us in Christ. If we don't, we'll become more mean-spirited toward one another and less loving to each other. Now, I'm afraid the church has become very good at killing, destroying each other. The attacks that we levy against one another pale in comparison to the attacks that the world levies against us now we ought to expect that from the world that's what the Bible tells us Jesus said if they hated me they is those in the world if they hated me you can anticipate that they'll hate you but when we've got people that both claim to love Jesus with all of their heart that hate each other with a passion there's a there is a disconnect in our life we we're not walking worthy of the vocation that he has called us into When we are not, do not love each other. Um, Jesus' cross, and and I've said this a lot of times, and and I didn't come up with it. This has been around for a long time. Um, But the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is a divine intersection. Because the Bible says that God is holy. It says it over and over and over again. In fact, it usually says that God is holy, holy, holy. And it also says that God is love. And those things do not contradict each other. God is perfectly holy and He is perfectly loving. And when you look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can see His holiness and His love on display. Because the cross shows us that God has a holy hatred of sin. So much so that He was willing to put His Son to death because of sin. He also, though, has a lavish love for the sinner. So at the cross you can see the, 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 the holiness of God against sin and the love of God that he has toward the sinner. Both of those are on full display on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Max Lucado is one of my favorite authors because he writes so simply that I can understand it. Now there are some other writers out there who write like Paul wrote. They got some good stuff, but I have to read it long and hard and meditate on it to get it. But Max Lucado writes in real simple, um, not complex sentences, and I can understand what he's saying and writing, and it ministers to me devotionally. But years ago, in fact, I did a whole series on this when, uh, when we were in the old sanctuary. I think Christie came behind it and did a series with the ladies. Um, but he wrote a book called He Did This Just For You. Um... And, and, and when, you, when you consider what God did for us on that cross, that's those six hours that Friday, um, you begin to understand the greatness of His love and His holiness. But in that book, Max Lucado illustrated Ephesians chapter 3 in these verses that he prayed. I want you to, I want you to be able to comprehend um, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the love that Christ has for us. He illustrated that love on the cross like this. These are the dimensions of the cross. The the, the love of God on the cross is long enough to protect you. That is, the love that God has for us in giving His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, it is long enough to protect us. What is the length of the cross? It is long enough to shield you from the wrath of God as you stand in the shadow of the cross by faith jesus died for our sins there so that we would not have to die for our sins later secondly how deep is the cross deep enough to change you to compel us when we understand the love that god has for us in giving his son on the cross for our sins that changes us from the inside out it compels us to want to love him to want to trust him to want to follow, and to want to please Him. You know why we love Him? Because He first loved us. Uh, He changed our hearts because He lavished His love on us while we were yet sinners. How high is the cross? It is high enough to lift you. It's high enough to bring you out of your guilt, high enough to bring you out of your shame, high enough to bring you boldly into the throne room of grace to be able to identify yourself as a child of God, born again because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing that he said in that book, how wide is the cross? It's wide enough to include you. He died for the sin of the world. There's nobody that's too far gone that his love can't include them. The rankest, rottenest, filthiest sinner, like I was, is welcomed with open arms and to the love of God found at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that he said in that book that I guess I'll never forget and I I, I never really thought about it in this life, is that Jesus would rather die for you than live without you. Jesus would rather die for you than live without you. That's how high, that's how long, that's how deep, that's how wide the love of God for us is. So, How do we imitate that love? Because that's what he's called us to do. In fact, Jesus never gave us, he never gave us the permission to develop our own definition of how we love each other. Y'all understand that, don't you? In fact, every every time he gave this command, he said, this this is a new command. This is a command I'm giving you, that as I have loved you, that you also love one another john repeated that over and over he he said it in his letter and he said it or he said it in his gospel he said it in his letters we don't get to choose how we love each other the scripture if we're going to walk worthy then we've got to walk in love like he has loved us and we know what his love caused him to do it caused him to give his life for us and so we have a hard time sometimes understanding how we love each other like christ loved us so Without actually having to die for each other, which I believe Christians have done in the past. We may be called to do that in our own lives at some point. But but apart from actually dying for each other, standing in your stead to, to accept a death so that you wouldn't have to, with the exception of that, how can I imitate the love that Christ has for me in the way that I love you in the way that we love each other now we could say we could go back to Max Lucado's and say well you know if we protect one another if we shield one another if we if we love each other enough that it compels us to to want to do better to want to live a different kind of life if we if, if, we, if we lift each other up, you know, if we're constantly encouraging and affirming one another, we're loving like Jesus. Um, if we're welcoming to people that are outside the fold, welcoming to each other, then that's loving like Christ loved us on the cross. And I agree with that. But, but, but is there a place in Scripture that gives us an itemized list of what it looks like to love like Jesus? Is there a place in Scripture that gives us an itemized? Y'all, I'm all about bullet points. I'm all about tell me what i got to do. <laughs> give me a set of instructions, A, B, C, D, E, and I know how to follow it when you give me them instructions. Don't just give me a blanket. I want it to look like this. Tell me how I get from point A to point B. So when, it talk, when we talk about loving each other like Jesus loves us, is there a list that tells us what love does and what love doesn't do? And I think there is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to close up right here. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is called the love chapter in the word of God. And, And even people that don't believe the Bible is true, even people that don't believe Jesus is who he said he is, will agree that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is probably the best definition and description of love that has ever been pinned and we're gonna pick it up in the middle and then I'm gonna talk to you about the first part and the last part as we close the service out this morning look with me in chapter 13, 1 Corinthians verse number four the King James Version uses the word charity and that that word means that word is agape and it is love like God has it's God love and so the calling here is for us to have the kind of love that God has for us agape love there's all kind of love that we have we can have phileo love which is friendship love or brotherly love um, there 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 are several different types of love mentioned in the Bible there's this kind of love that siblings have for each other um, but and then there's the love that you have in the marriage relationship um, but the but this is God's love this is this is agape this is loving each other like God loves us and, um, and, 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 and I'm not going to do this this morning, but I challenge you, you can do it as I read it if you want to. Everywhere that you see the word charity in this text, you can insert the word Jesus and you haven't changed anything. Because is what this is exactly how Jesus has loved us and does love us. Because this is the love that God has for us and He's called us to have with each other. So let's read it. Verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Now that's the kind of love that God has for us in Christ Jesus and that's the kind of love he's called us to have for each other. And, and, and I'm not going to get too deep into any one of them. But I, and I've, I've broken the list into two parts rather than just mingling it all together. I've broken it up into two parts and you'll see this done in other places. This ain't new to me. But there are two things that Paul tells us in this passage and that is this is what love looks like. This is what it displays. This is what it does. And then the other side of what he said is this is what love displaces. This is what love is not. This is what love does not do. So let's look first. Let me give you the list of things that Paul said love displays. Patience. Love is long-suffering. What does that mean? It means that we are able to forbear with one another, to put up with each other with calmness and with control. Exactly what Jesus does for us every day of our life. That's patience. That we learn to live with each other in patience. With kindness. You don't need a definition of that. Love is kind. Love, love is friendly. Love is gentle. Love is generous in nature in dealing with each other. Forgiveness. When it says that it keeps no accounts. It, it keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't go back and think about what he did me wrong ten years ago and I'm going to hold it against him today. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love erases the debt every day. Um, I'm thankful that I serve a God who erases my debt every day. Who gives me new mercies every morning even though I didn't deserve what he gave me yesterday. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is forgiving. Love rejoices in truth. And what what I believe that means is that Love rejoices when another person is believing truth and living the truth. That we can look around at our brothers and sisters and be thankful when they're prospering. Be thankful when they're doing well. Be thankful when they're living right. Be thankful when their life is making a difference because of what Christ is doing in them. It rejoices when the truth is being believed and being proclaimed and being lived out in another person's life. Protection, um, you have to, sometimes you'll have to look in an alternate translation to get all these words uh, defined. But protection literally means um, that we're looking out for others' well-being. That we're looking out for each other. I think the, the King James um, dialogue of that, uh, the, the way that it says it there, is that um, it thinketh no evil. It thinketh no evil. That is, it is, it is looking out for each other's best interest. Um, trust, we want to believe the best about each other Now, let me just talk about this for a second um, Sometimes we believe everything we hear We make assumptions about things that we see Presumptions about things that we hear About other believers Love, will do its, love in the body of Christ Will do what it takes to think better of somebody than what's been reported about them. That, 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 that we learn to trust one another. Love hopes all things. Wait, hope, hope is waiting with confidence. Hope endures all things. And what that means is that we don't give up on each other. Now, we spend a long time on every one of those. And I'm not going to do it. I gave you a list of words there that I believe is an accurate Um, simple definition of what we read in the text about what love displays. If you've written those down or or the outline will be online, I would challenge you. You can just get a Webster's Dictionary, not even a Strong's Concordance, and look up what those words mean and ask yourself this question, am I loving my brothers and sisters like this? Because this is how Christ loves me. And then he gave another list of things that love does not do. This is what love displaces. Envy. That's when we become jealous of each other. Boasting. That's when we verbally or maybe even physically step on or step over others. Pride. That is high-mindedness. That is a lack of regard for others A not thinking about others. But thinking only about ourselves. Does not behave itself unseemly. What the King James Version calls unseemly there. Does not behave itself rudely. That is having an unbecoming behavior exhibited towards brothers and sisters in Christ. Self-centeredness. Refusing to think of others. Quick-temperedness. Easily angered by others. And then that whole love of iniquity. Is rejoicing to see when others get caught up in things and get caught in things. That's what love doesn't do. That's what love displaces from our lives. Now, as I said, we could elaborate a long time on every one of those things. But I'm going to tell you a simple truth this morning. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you got the Holy Spirit living in you, like I got the Holy Spirit living in me, like every member of the body of Christ has living in them, the Bible says if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to Him. But if you sit here this morning and say, I've been born again, I know that I'm a child of God, listen to me. You know, you know, we know when our thoughts, when our words, and when our deeds are not lining up with the love that God has for us. And that we've been called to love each other. We know. We know it. You Amen me if you want or not. But I'm telling you, when we get to thinking, stinking, thinking, when we, get to, when we get to acting in ways that we know do not honor the Lord Jesus Christ and are in no way a reflection of how he loves us every day of our lives, when we get to speaking and behaving in, in, in ways that we um, don't want other people to speak and behave towards us, um, and that, in ways that Jesus Christ has never spoken and behaved towards us, we know when we're not acting in love, speaking in love, thinking in love. And I'm going to be honest with you. We all fail in that, don't we? Listen, I've been mean to my wife this week. I have. I, since last Sunday, in fact. I let a little something that she did just get... Crawl right under my skin, get on my nerves, tick me off. And I made up my mind the rest of the week I was gonna punish her for that. Now I'm just being transparent with you. We had a bad week. You know why? Because I did. And and, and, and and preparing for this message, man the Lord crawled all up me. Front side, backside, and he's like, You know what you're doing is not how you're loved. I'm walking, grieving the Holy Spirit of God every day this week. And, and I acting like a preacher when I was around everybody else. Yeah, now, you know what that makes my wife see in me? What a hypocrite he is. I ain't proud of it. But, but you know, you, you reach a place when you know you're failing, you just have to say there ain't no excuse for it. And Cindy will tell you, I told her other than I told her, I'm like, look, this. I, I, I was mad at you. I told her what I got mad at her. But I said, there ain't no excuse for the way I behaved. All I can tell you is I'm going to try to do better. And, and that's how we have to live our life every day. When we fail to love each other like Christ Loves us. Instead of making excuses for it. And instead of justifying it. Sometimes we just need to make an apology and do better. What the Lord is asking us to do when he tells us to walk in love. Is nothing more than what he does for us. Every single day of our life. Have you failed him this week? It ain't just about what you do, it's what you don't do. You know what, Cindy, when I told her, I mean, I I told her what made me mad about her, and she's like, You act like you didn't even want to look at me or be around me all week. How many times do we live our life without even thinking about what God is doing for us in that moment? What he's done for us yesterday and what he's promised us for tomorrow. How many days do we just walk through every day after day after day and give no thought to what Christ is doing for us? The Bible says He's ever-living to make intercession for us. Ever-living. That He sits at the Father's right hand every day and intercedes on our behalf. Every time we fail, He's mine. It's under my blood. It's nailed to my cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is written to a church that's full full of strife and full of contention and full of sin. I mean, they're fighting about everything. They they bogged down in all kinds of sin. They can't decide who's got the best gifts. And Paul inserts this chapter of love right in the middle of it. And here's what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, in verse 1, and have not love... I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, or, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing you understand what the Apostle Paul was saying before he tells us what love is about he said if I don't have it if you don't have it if we don't have it our lives are worthless to the kingdom and the cause of Christ it doesn't matter how well we speak it doesn't matter how intelligent we are in our understanding of the Bible it doesn't matter how powerful we are it doesn't matter how philanthropic we are in giving our, 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 our goods to the poor. It doesn't matter how, how sacrificial we are. It doesn't matter how talented we are. It doesn't matter what we do or how we serve. If we are not loving each other, we are worthless to His kingdom. And even worse than that, we're living in rebellion to the law of God. Romans chapter, and you find this over and over when Jesus talked about the the great commandment and the second great commandment and all the commandments and all the law and all the prophets are summarized under those two. Romans chapter 13 verse 10, Paul said, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So if if we love each other like Christ is loving us, we are living under his law, not in rebellion to it. Paul said if we don't have love, no matter what else we do, it's worthless. Jesus loved us enough to die for us while we were still unreconciled sinners. Enemies of God is what the Bible called us. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when there was no reason to love us. He loved us when we were His enemies. He loved us when we were working against Him, walking in contradiction to Him, doing exactly what the devil wanted us to do. And and listen, if we can't love each other as part of the body of Christ, we'll never learn to love our enemies into the body of Christ. You understand that? Until they see us loving each other. As Christ loves us, they're never going to want to come into this body and be a part of it. If we have such a hard time loving each other as members of the body of Christ, we're never going to be able to do what Jesus told us to do and love our enemies and love those that persecute us and love those that hate us, which is exactly what he did for us. And then Romans chapter 13, verse 8 through 13, just to close it out. Love never fails. Charity never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. The things that abide, faith, hope, and charity. But the Apostle Paul said one day faith is going to become sight. There ain't gonna, there's no need for faith in heaven. One day our hope is going to be fulfilled. One day our hope is going to become the reality for us. No need for faith and no need for hope in eternity. But love will endure love will abide love will remain and I think Paul said in that passage of scriptures of the Corinthian church there comes a time when we just need to grow up when we need to put away the childishness when we need to put away the division when we need to put away the dissension when we need to put away the disunity And and when I say that and when I read that, I think about, well, you've been pretty childish this week, and I have. Put it away. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. Spoke like a child, behaved like a child. When I grew up, I put away the childishness. It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to start living in love with Jesus because of his love for us. With each other because that's what he's called us to, and with a lost and dying world because that's who we're trying to reach. In, in, in all of our flaws and all of our faults, and all of our failures, Jesus Christ has never once cut us off from his love. Has he? Absolutely not. He ain't cut me off. and my faults and flaws and failures are many but he loves me anyway so we don't have any right whatsoever to refuse to walk in love with each other as it's children we don't have any right whatsoever not to walk in love <laughs> and sometimes we say stuff like I love you but No, that ain't love. Love says, you get on my last nerve sometimes, but I love you. My wife had to say that to me this week. You pushed every button I had, but I still love you. You made me want to walk away, but I couldn't, because I love you. I don't need to tell you this, but I am. We can talk about it without without doing it. We can say it without meaning it. And we know the difference when we do and when we don't. And he knows the difference. So my prayer today is that we would make today a day of setting some things straight and getting on a path that honors Christ because of his love for us maybe a phone call say hey can we sit down and talk I've had to make some trips before that ain't nothing in me in my fleshly side wanted to make where I've had to go to folks and ask them to forgive me and and, and in, in some of them situations when I got there it was it, they, I, I got lashed out at, and rightfully so. And everything in me wanted to defend myself and say, well, I just did that because you did that. But in every situation where I've been willing to accept the fact that I hurt somebody and they deserve to come back and lash out at me like they did, and I said, I know and I'm sorry. I ain't defending myself I'm saying I failed and I'm sorry and I'll do my very best to do better and every time I've ever done that the relationship has been healed and restored in every case and sometimes in fact I say this oftentimes it's become a better relationship than it ever was before Way deeper, far less superficial. Maybe because we had a wound between us that be- that was healed, and it, and our love has gotten a little deeper and a little stronger because of it. I think that's what makes marriages rich: is that we have dealt- Cindy and I have been through valleys and mountaintops over and over and over again in thirty-five. Th- 36 years, 35 years, married, 37, together. We've been through a lot together. And, and she's wounded me and I've wounded her, but we've loved each other through it and it's grown, it's grown closer and stronger and thicker. And even though I've been a jerk all week this week, I, it never crossed my mind she's going to leave me if I don't straighten up. She hasn't let me yet. She probably ain't never going to leave me because she loves me and she's proved it. And she knows the same is true of me. Let today be a day. There ain't nothing more refreshing in all this world than seeing brothers and sisters reconciled to each other. I don't believe there's anything in this world that honors the Lord Jesus Christ any more than when brothers and sisters dwell together in love and in unity. And I'm just close with this. I, this has been a message to the church but if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior I want you to know this his love is sufficient it is it is all that you need to be saved it is the love of Christ that 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 compels you it is the love of Christ that draws you it is the love of Christ that brings you to a place of of humility and, and repentance and and what he did for the cross or what he did for you on the cross he did so that you could be saved from your sin and live forever in His love. And, and I promise you, His love is, is long enough to protect you, it's deep enough to change you, it's high enough to lift you, and it's wide enough to include you. All you have to do is receive it by faith. <clears throat> I think it was that same books that Max Locator wrote as the musicians are coming. said, a man asked God one time, how much do you love me? And Jesus said, I love you this much. And he stretched out his arms and died. And I'll tell you this morning, that's how much he loves you. He stretched out his arms and died for you. I believe this with all my heart. I can't prove it scripturally, but I believe if I'd been the only sinner left in this world, he'd have still died on the cross for me. If I'd have been the only one needed a Savior, he'd have died for me. But the reality is is that all of us need a Savior. And He died for every one of us. Let's stand together. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the love, Lord Jesus, that You lavish, lavish on us every day. And I thank You for the love of the saints. Thank You for the love of my wife, who has loved me through thick and thin, through seven years of pure hell, when I did everything I could to drive her away from me. She's stuck with me. Maybe she's the first one that I ever really got a good glimpse of your love for me because nothing I could do could shake her. I'm thankful, Lord, that we've been able to understand that love in a deeper, more profound way every day. As we've loved each other, we've, we've, we've learned to understand and comprehend your love for us. And you want that not just in the marriage, but you want that in the body of Christ as a whole. I pray you'd help us to recognize the things that love displays in our life and make sure they're there. Show us those things that love pushes aside, displaces, gets rid of, refuses to participate in. Help us to put on and help us to put off Help us to learn to love each other like you love us. I'm sorry, Lord, for where I failed. And I pray that every time I I try to be wrong to a brother or sister, every time I try to bear record of wrongs or to be mean-spirited, that you'd remind me of the love that you have for me. And help me share it have your will and your way in this invitation God I don't know the hearts of those that are here but if there's one that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord Savior I pray that you would let them know this morning beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them with an everlasting love and that you have invited them to be a part of your family it don't matter what they've done it don't matter where they're living right now to do is come in faith save them this day i pray in jesus name amen